Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. So, Melissa, I have two very dear friends, and actually they've, they've been... Child, Maggie is a childhood friend of my wife, Fran, and her husband, Dale. We, we've known... They've friends known them forever, and over the last five years or so, they've become very good friends of mine. They have a place in Fort Myers, and they—they're—they're. They're, I'd say they're retired, except Dale works harder in retirement than I think he did. I mean, he picks up all—he has all these like side yeah. jobs and stuff. He's always keeping himself busy. So they—they they went down there in November, and I know. I hope they don't mind me telling this tale out of school, but there, there's kind of this. This sort of fun tension because if they've got, you know, they've got uh, their sons here and the grandkids and lots of friends here and all. And so there's always this tension about when do you come back? How long do you stay? And so um, they've been down there since early November. Oh, yeah. And and I know Maggie, Maggie wants to come back in early May. Matter of fact, I think she's got her plane. And meanwhile, Dale, he, he he's going to stay a little bit longer. At least that's his plan. So there's this like, okay, do you come back together or hey, you know, what what are you going to do exactly? So I wake up this morning. I look out the window and I notice it's snowing. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, don't come back well, now. I, 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 sent, I sent them both a text and <laughs> yeah. the text said, it's snowing. And Maggie sent a note back saying, well, it's raining here. <laughs> yeah, well, you don't shovel rain. <laughs> and, you know, Dale said, I know, I don't miss it. So it was, I, I, so th- this morning when I when I got up, at least at my house, I got up about six thirty, and I, I take the dog out for the, the the first little let's go out, and it was it was just starting, you know, it wasn't really snowing, it was kind of like some wet droplets, mm-hmm. that was no problem, but then after I got ready for the show and got ready for work, typically what happens is I I take the dog out for a longer walk, we go on our P O P R U N poop run, you know that that's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, that's, for sure. that that that's sort of it. <laughs> so by this time. It's snowing like yeah. you know what. And I open up the garage door, and the the dog gets to the garage door and looks out, and then, honest to gosh, looks up at me, and the look said, "What the hell, uh, Dad? What are you thinking?" <laughs> that's right. You, that's exactly what is going on you here. Don't you don't go pro- out you, there. Yeah, right. You <laughs> promised me that this was not going Aww. on. What what a mess. You she are. looked at you, knowing she wasn't living her best life well, at that moment. At that yeah. exactly, exactly <laughs> at that moment, she said, "You think I'm going to go out there? You you told me a month ago that this." was over. You know, I know you've been talking about the, the closures, but it's it really is amazing. We're looking at the traffic cameras. Mm-hmm. Um, I I forty one um, southbound in the northern part of Washington County, right around Highway D, closed down. Multiple crashes. Apparently, it's been a disaster. Yeah, out there. that forty one northbound closed at Highway sixty right now because of the winter weather. You know, hopefully this doesn't last too long. But as we look at the radar, it is coming across the state. Right. Um, looks like it will be for, you know, the rest of the day. Icy conditions, salt trucks Gosh. dispatched, and the, the what's, in some respects, it's the worst. It's the whiteout sort it of is. stuff. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they have these huge snow squalls and then the wind blowing across, and, and, <laughs> you can we're see just the looking at the are trucks are just up. all stopped there, right? Because of, of the conditions. They're walking out on the road, too. It's April 21st. You but know. this happens every year, I feel like. Every year we get into a nice streak of weather, and then we have a few days where we have to pull back a little bit, put our plants inside, you know, deal with winter, old man winter once again for two days, and then watch. It'll be. 60s, well, 70s. Well, it's supposed to be in the 50s by this yeah. this weekend. Hopefully that'll work out. I know we took, we, we have all this, this patio furniture on, on our deck, 
and a lot of the chairs and stuff are heavy. So what we do is we take the cushions inside, and then I yeah, have all these. I have, I have yeah. covers, you know. Mm-hmm. So you just put the covers over the the furniture. And about a week and a half ago, once Fran got back from Florida, we she said, "Okay, well, it was nice. She said, Let, let's take all the covers off." And I said, "Okay, fine." I said, "We're not bringing the cushions and stuff up, are we?" She said, "No, no, no. We're going to wait for a while for that, yeah, which yeah. was kind of smart." So okay, you'll keep us posted on what's going on I in will. the roadways. Yep, I know. For sure. Yeah, it's just okay. Well, welcome to Wisconsin in spring. And again, for <laughs> I I understand understand why my friend Dale is thinking about maybe I'm going to stay till June. It probably won't snow after that. All right, we are going to talk about what ended up happening with the with the verdict yesterday in the Derek Chauvin case, and, but less less so about you know what did the jury get it right of course the jury got it right as i've been saying this was a essentially a a a couple week guilty plea at least in my opinion the evidence was clear cut regarding you know what was going on here now the you know the bigger question is going to be in august the other three police officers are on the scene i think that's a completely different completely different case and a different prosecution and we'll talk about that in a little bit but i want to start with the story that is getting all the attention nationally today, the latest police shooting. If you haven't seen the story of this and you haven't seen the the police body camera, um, you, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I, I've got a link to the, the story as reported, I think I picked CNN's link, where you can see the, the actual body cam video that Columbus, Ohio police made a decision to release right away and um, also get a little bit of background on the story. Here is my uptake on this. What do you expect the police to do? Which does raise this sort of larger, larger question. Um, All right, so here, if you haven't been following it, here's the deal. About um, 4.35 yesterday afternoon, interestingly, uh, that's Eastern Time, so it's about 20 minutes before they announce the George Floyd verdict. Police get a 911 call saying there's an attempted stabbing at a particular address. Caller says a female is trying to stab them and then hangs up. So they send a police officer to the scene. So what ends up happening is you can see, like I say, the Columbus police have released the, the body cam footage. The police officer pulls up and he, he car pulls up and he can see a uh, in this driveway, there's a group of young people, like, congregated. In the video, it appears that, that one of the young people, that this, this teenager, um, is pushing and swinging at a person who then falls on the ground. Then what happens is the same teenager then kind of gets up from after pushing the one gal onto the ground and she goes after another girl who's on kind of on the hood of the car. It is very clear that the teenager who is like doing the aggressor, she's got a she's got a knife in her hand. You can see the knife. Is it a looks to me like it's kind of a steak knife. I, I don't know for sure. I mean it's not some giant butcher knife, but it's it's not a pen knife either. It looks like she's got a, a steak knife in her hand to me. And then what happens is you can hear the officers yelling, stop, stop, stop. The the 16, the, turns out she's 15 or almost 16. She's clearly out of control. She's not listening to the officer. And this all happens in a matter of seconds. She's got this, this knife in her right hand, and she's stabbing at the other 
girl slash teenager who's kind of like leaning up against the the car trying to cover herself. So this all happens in in the matter of this is all less than 10 seconds. The officer is yelling, you know, drop it, drop it, stop, stop, stop. And in order to prevent the one girl from being stabbed to death, he pulls out his gun. I'm pretty sure it's a he. I don't know the race at this point in time of the officer. He pulls out the gun and he fires four shots hits and kills the girl with a knife and, you know, shoots her. Then, then they try to administer CPR, but she's dead. And the knife is right by the scene. So it's very clear that he rolls up in the middle of this attack. And you've got the one, the one girl who's got the knife and she's attacking these people. Now, it turns out that she's, I think, 15 years old. She is um, in foster care. Um, this was a foster home, and she apparently got into an altercation with somebody else at the home. Um, she is in the technically in the in the care and custody of like the the, the Ohio the the, the, the the Ohio groups that that take care of again you know children with needs. So all right, so here's what happens: very very sad situation. It happens instantaneously. Instantaneously, the police and immediately after this happens, there's protests and there's people. Oh, you shot and killed this little girl, and this is terrible, awful. Another example of police, you know, taking lives. And in this case, it's 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 again, it's a 15 or 16 year old black girl. Oh, isn't this terrible? The uh, police chief comes out and says, "Look, here here's what happened. You have the officer who." rolls up on the scene, he's told there's a stabbing, and he, he's he's watching this girl with a knife trying to stab at this other girl. And he had to act in order to stop the girl from being killed. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Right, maybe this is going to be controversial, maybe not. Uh, look, it's always a tragedy when you have anybody that loses their life, and that was including certainly a 15- or 16-year-old girl. At the same time, we have to, in this country, decide what we want from police. Do you want the police to be janitors? And by that I mean, do you want them to just wait and watch a situation like this occur and then all right, now, now we're, we're going to clean up the situation. Do you want to let him, in this particular case, do you want to let the, the woman who was being the aggressor, do you want to let her stab the other girl, and then, all right, after you stabbed her, then you can try to take her into custody? Or do you want to be proactive? Do you want to try to, I don't know, stop the situation so somebody who is being stabbed doesn't die? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think it is fair to analyze what police officers do. I think the verdict in the Derek Chevron case was absolutely appropriate. But as I'm looking at this body camera footage from yesterday, I don't know what else the police officer could have done other than simply let the girl stab the other girl. And if that happens and the girl is stabbed and the police officer is on the scene and the girl dies, you know, what's going to be the response? How, how could you just stand there and let... This other child be stabbed to death. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. What's a police officer to do? We discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 
855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, what do we want from our police officers? You get a call that somebody says they're being attacked. You roll up on a scene and you have somebody with a knife who is stabbing at one person, stabbing at another. They're in the process of doing that. You yell at them, stop, they don't do it. So so what what is the police officer supposed to do? Now, in this case, police officer pulls out his gun. He stops the, the attack by, by shooting the person. Turns out it's a 15 or a 16-year-old girl who you can see in the videotape is completely and totally out of control. It, it, it's a tragedy this happened, but put yourself in that officer's spot. If he does... If he doesn't intervene and he doesn't stop this immediate attack and the girl with the knife stabs the other girl and hits the aorta or hits a vein and that girl dies, well, then what's going to be the comment? You you stood there and you, you didn't stop this this woman from stabbing the other woman. I mean, what what is an officer supposed to do? Let's start with Dave in Chicago. Dave, good afternoon. Hey, thanks, Jeff. You know, it's really sad. Whatever these people do in law enforcement they get crucified they don't show up in time they get crucified they show up they take control the people don't listen to them they get crucified it's just so you know you don't hear anything about the 22 shootings last weekend in chicago from the left but they, it's just really sad what this country's turning into i would not want to be a cop well i wouldn't either no thanks to david and i guess my my question is at what point and what do we want out of our out, out of our police officers and what in, in a situation like this if you're not going to argue that lethal force could be used and again it's that this isn't a negotiated strategy this is you come on the scene and this happens you can see the body camera foot this all happens in a matter of 10 seconds you you come on the scene and you have somebody with a knife who is going after somebody else with a knife and they don't drop it all right so you can say well maybe you should have tried to reason with that person maybe you should have run in and tried to wrestle the knife out out of their hand or whatever, in which case then you you get yourself stabbed. I, at, at some point in time, we have to decide what we want our police to do. If the message is don't intervene, let the crime go ahead, let, let's see how this all works out and then arrest somebody afterwards, okay, well then let's, let's make that the standard. But I don't think that's what most people think we want cops to do. Um, Bonnie in Door County. Bonnie, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good morning. Hi, Bonnie. What do you think? I have two... I, I have two points to make. First of all, I'm not a police officer, but I believe their code is to protect and serve. There was one person there who needed protection. The officer took care of business and protected that person. Secondly, I continue to hear people say ridiculous things like, well, he should have shot the knife out of her hand, and that would have worked. Yeah, well, this is not a Roy Rogers movie. That doesn't happen in real life. And that's not how officers are trained. I, it's, you know, you make that point, Bonnie. I'm getting several texts. Well, he should have shot her in the arm, or he should have tried to shoot her in the leg, or whatever. He, he's faced with a situation where, and again, this this is a split second. He's faced with a situation where you've got somebody with a knife who is on top of somebody else and is stabbing at them with that that knife. Um, how, oh, you're you're going to take the time to stop and try to shoot and wing somebody, or try to shoot the gun out of their hand? You're, you're right. It's not a Roy Rogers type of movie. It's real life and officers are taught to stop the threat in this case it's to shoot the person that's got the knife to prevent the other person from being stabbed if it was a rabid dog and he shot the dog he'd be a hero 
but we but the people continue to question people who really are honest to God heroes. He saved that girl's life. Well, he I mean he th- thanks for calling. I mean I mean he did. And and it's it's an unfortunate situation and it's not a rabid dog, it's a person. And and I think you have to look at each one of these situations in a different sort of light. You know, do you have time? What what are the reactions? But in this particular case, you're you're talking about a matter of seconds. And, you know, you've got somebody that's clearly got a knife and is clearly stabbing at someone else. So what what do you do? It's not like you have all sorts of time to, to sit and reason with somebody. It's not like it's, would you come out of the house? It's not even like there's any sort of separation. This this is an active, ongoing attack. And I guess I just, I don't know. You, there's all sorts of things. Well, maybe the police should have tried to pull out their taser and, and use a less restrictive alternative. Well, the problem with that is maybe it's going to work, maybe it's not going to work. But in the interim, the, the other girl is probably going to be stabbed on multiple occasions while this delay is occurring. And if that happens, are we going to accept that risk? All right, we're going to continue this conversation. If you're on the line, please hold on. 855-616-1620. This is Jeff Wagner. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I think if you're being fair and honest, what you have to do is you have to analyze anytime you have a police shooting. That nowadays, there's this knee-jerk reaction that says, oh, that, that the police are automatically always bad, especially if it's a person of color that's involved. Or the flip side is that the police are always justified. Well, you, you have to look at it. In the Derek Chauvin case, I have no problem. He was guilty as you know what. And, and I think the jury did the right thing. But just because you have that case... And the correct verdict, and you have a police officer who I think was guilty of the various charges, at least in my opinion and in the opinion of the jury, that that doesn't mean that yesterday afternoon when you have a police officer that's told that there's this this situation going on and you roll up and you've got some, in this case, a 15-year-old with a knife in her hand who is stabbing at people and who refuses to drop it, and she's, again, right next to, on top of somebody, and she's getting ready to stab them, that doesn't mean that when the the police officer uses deadly force to protect the person who's being saved just because you have the bad cop in Minnesota doesn't mean the cop in Columbus, Ohio is is in the wrong. Let's talk to Mike in Illinois. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hey Jeff. I really don't have to comment because you just said it all right there. Um, you know, what did you expect the cop to do? And the one thing that really bothers me, though, is that those people protested immediately no one had seen the video because they haven't even released it yet they just assumed because like you said it was a black person and i don't know if the cop was white or black i don't know but because it was the police they just automatically assumed that the cop was wrong and we're going to protest well well right and then you start to look at this stuff and you say Okay, well, what what were they supposed to do? And even now, there, there's still a lot of people saying, well, they, they they should have done you know other things. And he shot a 15 year old girl. Well, first of all, he doesn't know it's a 15 year old girl. All he knows is that you've got a kid with a knife. You roll up on the scene, and that one kid with the knife is. And you look at the video, She's there's no question. She's intent on stabbing this other kid. She's trying to kill that other kid. So what do you do? Yeah. Do you just let it go? And I, my answer would be you, you can't unless as a society we're going to decide we don't want the police to intervene, let them all sort it out, and then arrest the winner. I don't think that that's a very good alternative. Nor do I. And that other caller from Chicago said it. You know, the police really have such a difficult job, and everyone's going to second-guess them no matter what they do. They're making split-second decisions. It wouldn't have mattered what he would have done. He would have been criticized by, you know, well, yeah. people. Uh, no, I mean, th- I mean, again, that, that's that's it. Kind of 
let us let us say he he does something different. Let us say that instead of pulling out his gun, he decides that he's going to run and jump on the girl and try to like physically intervene. He's going to run up and, and try to wrestle the knife out of her hand. And still, he, he's not able to get there in time to stop her from stabbing the other girl or he himself gets stabbed. Uh, some people are saying, well, why, why doesn't he just use a taser? Now, my understanding is that Tasers are not supposed to be used. They're not taught to use tasers in close-in situations. Tasers are things that you do to, to stop people before it essentially gets to hand-to-hand combat, just because of their effectiveness and the way they're deployed and things like that. In this particular case, you, you have it, it's not like the girl was was ten feet away from the person she was attacking. She was on top of the other gal, who's like now kind of rolled up in a ball against the car. The, they're just I don't know what the police officer is supposed to do. That's the that's the problem. And we're all willing to second guess and to criticize. And again, the what what would have happened? What is the alternative? If he hadn't intervened quickly enough, if he hadn't shot, if instead whatever he did would have stopped would not have stopped her from stabbing the other gal a couple times and it hits the heart or it hits an aorta or whatever, and then then you have that girl that's dead can can you just imagine the outrage there well why didn't you intervene why why didn't you shoot her you let her stab you know my daughter or whatever 855-616-1620 lamar in orlando lamar good afternoon hey jeff uh always a good show jeff and uh, uh and i'll be quite honest the, the, this nice situation it's kind of home because i lost my brother from uh, you got stabbed to death um my i have another another viewpoint on this you have teenagers fighting they called the police. They escalate. She, the young lady escalated things by grabbing a knife, knowing the police were en route. Yeah. There were also parents there. Yeah. There were adults there. None of them de-escalated any of this situation. None of them. And I can't yeah. tell you how many countless times I, as an adult man, have intervened in fights in which I'm like, you know, I, I break it up, and then there's an adult out there with them. Yeah. That's an issue, and there's no and there's no accountability. Then when the police gets involved, the police get involved to try to sort this out. Sort this out. They're pointing the finger at the police. Right. That's my biggest issue in this whole situation. You know, Lamar, that that's a really great point. Now, I, I don't. I'm not sure who called the police. The family of the girl that was shot says she's the one that called the police and and then hung up. Now, I I that that's that's only coming from the family. I don't know who made the initial nine one one call, but you're. You're right, and, and you raise such an interesting point. There, when, when you roll up, when the police roll up, and you can see this from the from their their cameras, there, there there are all sorts of people standing around, including adults, who are just kind of watching this whole thing go by. How how did they let it get to that stage? Because right. there, there there were several minutes between the the nine one one call, regardless of who made it, and and when the cops arrived. Why why weren't people trying to settle this down so the police officer doesn't get put in? This life or death situation immediately right. on the scene. Yeah, right. The video that went viral that that everybody saw first with the auntie, you know, crying and upset. She was there. She was the adult. She was at least that's at least one adult we know that was there. Right. And it's like you didn't intervene. That that it, that makes me very upset because I've seen that too many times. Yeah. No. Th- right. I mean, that, that's yeah. a fair. Qu- where where are the grown ups in a situation like this going? You stop it. Drop the knife. 
stop stop fighting. look and i we don't know who who were the aggressors or anything like that the police don't know that and and you can't expect them to know that now it's not like a situation where the officer rolls up and there's a couple kids that are punching at each other keep in mind that the reason the deadly force was used in this particular situation is the one kid had a knife and the one kid, it is clear from at least the body cam video that the kid was stabbing at the other kids. They're, they're just, you, you can't argue about that. So this isn't a deal where you've got a couple kids that are punching at each other. And, and maybe you can, you, you have a little bit of time because, okay, somebody's punching at somebody else. Worst thing that's going to happen is somebody's going to go to an emergency room with some stitches or things like that. You have... You have somebody that has a lethal weapon in their hand and is clearly intent on using that lethal weapon. So the police, they don't know who started it. They don't know, you know, what what the background of this is. All they know is that unless something is done immediately, you're going to have one person who's going to be potentially in the morgue after somebody else stabs them. And I guess my question is, how long can you can you let them do that? Let's talk to... Um, we've got Liz in Manitowoc. Hi, Liz. Hi. Good afternoon. Hi. I just want to thank you. I want to go in reverse a little bit. Was that gal with the knife um, a foster child? Yes. Or was she? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, she was at this. Fa- I don't know all. She was at the. This was. She was in the custody of the state, and this was the foster home that she was living at. And I, my, my I think she got into an altercation with other people at the foster home. That's what I sure. think happened, but I'm not positive. Yeah, but she was in foster care. Okay. Yes. Well, the background. I'm sorry. The background check should have been more thorough um, for that. Okay, um, and they usually don't really care what's transpired um, with the child beforehand. So she's off doing what she wants. I want to compliment the gentleman that intervenes um, to help out the situation, but I hope he doesn't get killed or something or stabbed as well. So maybe that's why the other people didn't intervene, Mm -hmm. because they didn't want to get stabbed. Um, The only thing, and what is the difference from the stun gun from a stun gun uh, to, I forgot what you said, the name of the other thing. Well, I mean, no, thanks. I mean, there's, there's no difference between a, a, a taser, stun gun, all those things are true. My under, and so some people are saying, well, well, why didn't you use like the non-lethal force? Why didn't he pull out a taser? Now, keep in mind that you, and again, you can see this with the video. It, it's the, the gal has her hand. She's getting ready to stab the other gal. I don't think anybody can really argue about that. The, the, my understanding, and I'm willing to be corrected, but my understanding is that law enforcement officers are, are taught that, that, that the taser is not something you use in, in close-on, hand-to-hand sort of combat. It, it's, it, it's something you use when there's, there's a separation of like five or six or seven or ten feet from the, the, the person who's the attacker and the person who's being attacked because sometimes tasers work, sometimes they don't. Some, and it's just they're not – officers aren't taught to use that in a close-in situation. By close-in, yes, the officer had a little bit of separation, but the, the victim – and the gal with the knife, I mean, they, they were just on top of each other. And so I, my, my understanding, and I think this will come out, is the officers in those situations, you, you've got you've to stop the thing unless you're going to let the person be stabbed. This, this is, it's a horrible situation. I, I get it, and I understand why people are, 
that that you know when, whenever there is a shooting perhaps per, a police shooting and particularly involving a person of color there's the, this this sort of default position now about how the police are out of control etc but I, I really do think we, we have to have a reckoning in this country and one of the questions we have to ask is what do we want of our police officers you know do when when somebody regardless of their color decides that they are going to you know resist arrest how how aggressive do we want to allow the police officers to be or do we reach a point where we say okay no you've you've got somebody that's committed a crime we're just going to let them go away um when you have a situation like this when you roll up on a scene where for all intents and purposes it is a life or death struggle and it is easy to see how if you don't intervene within two three four five seconds somebody's going to be dead all right, the question we have to ask ourselves is, do we want the police officers to intervene? Do we want them to try to do something? Or alternatively, do do we want them to use the least restrictive measures? And are, will, are we willing then to accept the fact that that is very well going to result in this particular case, for example, might well have resulted in another 15-year-old girl being dead while a police officer was on the scene. We have to decide what we want from our police. But in this particular situation, at least based on what I'm seeing thus far, I, I, I don't think it's fair to criticize the police officer. And maybe there's all sorts of other questions. How did this escalate? Why weren't the adults intervening in this to let it get to this stage? But once somebody's got a knife in their hand and they're almost on top of somebody else and they're going to stab them, what do you want the cops to do? See, the, the ultimate question is, are you entitled to use deadly force or not? And if you're presented with a situation where either your life as a law enforcement officer or the life of somebody else is is in danger, then you're authorized to use deadly deadly force and not fool around with these like non-lethal methods, which may or may not work. Uh, Jeff, this is what's taught to officers. Deadly force justification. Any behavior that an officer reasonably believes has caused or Im- Im- min- imminently threatens to cause death or great bodily harm to you or another person um, um, is a situation where you're entitled to use deadly force. You're not required to seek alternatives to deadly force if you or someone else is under an immediate attack for his or her life, which is pretty clearly, I think, what you know you have going on there. Jeff, as a retired law enforcement officer, I remember we were taught the lunge distance. This is the distance a person with an edged weapon can advance on you before you could draw your firearm. If you have the taser out and it malfunctions or the person is not affected by it, they could be on top of you before you could draw your firearm. And in this case, the, the, the justification for the deadly force, it's not that the officer was under attack. The officer's getting out of the squad car. It's that the girl with the knife was on top of, literally, on, on top of uh, another girl who's kind of like cowering on the hood of a car. So that, that was the situation. There, there wasn't any distance between them at all, and the officer was in a situation where I think he, you know, was forced to, you know, act in this particular situation. Jeff, I have a degree in criminal justice and minimal police experience. You're correct. If a suspect is using deadly force or has a weapon with the intent of causing great bodily harm to the officer or others, they are trained to use deadly force. This is a horrible situation. I, I get it. And I, I don't I don't mean to downplay it a, at all. But at some point in time, I, I think we all need to take a step back and say, 
all right, before we get outraged to the police, maybe there's a lot of other outrage that was there. And how would you like to be the police officer that, that rolls up into the situation? And, and you're the one that has to make this decision, literally a split second decision from the time he rolls up till the time the shooting is. It's 10 seconds. I mean, it, it's 10 seconds. You literally are have a couple seconds. Hey, I've called. I know there's this fight. I'm here. I see this one girl that's got this knife and she's going after the other girl. She doesn't drop the knife. What am I supposed to do? And you know, try to put yourself in that situation before you say, oh, this is this incredible outrage. All right, lots to do. Lots coming up on today's program, including right after the 1 o'clock news. If you're looking for prostitutes, I'm going to tell you where to go. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. A number of people texting me saying, okay, now we had to listen to the news because we were wondering, where do you go if you want prostitutes? Well, all right, I'm not going to bury the lead here. If you want, if you're if you're in the market for prostitution, prostitution with without at least legal complications, here's what you need to do. Tomorrow morning, head down to the airport. If you get there around 5:55, buy yourself a ticket. Southwest Airlines, right? For, that's their earliest departing flight. They have a flight that will take you to New York LaGuardia Airport. You got to change planes in Baltimore, but you will get to New York City at 125 LaGuardia. My guess is, well, you could be on the streets of New York City around Times Square by about 2:30 and, you know, it will be prostitution if you're looking for that without consequence. Why do I say that? Well, if you follow me on Twitter, I've got a link to this story. Uh, my Twitter account is at Jeff Wagner 620. Here is the deal. Yesterday, the Manhattan, that is New York, the Manhattan District Attorney's Office announced it would no longer prosecute prostitution and unlicensed massage. Putting the, that would be, so if you want to run a unlicensed massage parlor, where stuff beyond just working out the normal aches and pains go, they're not going to care about it. So prostitution's fine. Unlicensed massage is fine. The New York Times story says they're putting the weight of one of the most high-profile law enforcement offices in the U.S. behind the growing movement to change the criminal justice system's approach to what is euphemistically called sex work. All right? Um, this now, has the world gone mad? I mean, I just—I mean, seriously—has has the world gone mad? Back in the '70s and early '80s, New York City was a pit. It was just an absolute pit. It was crime-ridden. It was drug drugs were overrunning various neighborhoods, and you had communities that were just being overrun by prostitution and things of the like. Well, there, there was a sea change that happened, and it kind of happened uh, along with Rudy Giuliani becoming the mayor. But the idea was, we're going to adopt this broken windows type of law enforcement. And what we're going to do is we're going to go in and we're going to say the small stuff matters. And, and yes, we're going to prosecute you know shootings on the streets and bank robberies, but we're also going to prosecute the open-air drug markets. And, and yes, we're, we're going to prosecute the prostitutes because... It's one of these sort of deals where if you're if you're a tourist and you're in Times Square, okay, and you're there, um, let's say you're there with your husband and your couple kids, you know, the the idea of prostitutes openly walking up and down the street soliciting people, well, it's kind of off-putting at, at, at the least. 
On top of that, if you talk to people who live in neighborhoods where prostitution is rampant, it is a quality of life issue. Who wants to live in an area where, okay, I'm in an apartment building on a block, and my block has seven or eight or ten prostitutes that are are plying their trade, and you've got cars from, you know, guys from the suburbs who are driving down to pick up the prostitutes and then drive, you know, around the corner and find an alley to do whatever they're going to do. On on top of that, the people who are working in the quote-unquote, you know, sex trade, I mean, is that really, are those really business opportunities that we want to encourage and and what about the whole quality of life issue well anyhow in manhattan they have now decided to take the same approach that they're apparently taking in brooklyn and in other cities like baltimore and philadelphia where they're going to say we don't care what the laws are we're not going to prosecute people arrested for prostitution we're we're, we're just we're not going to do it we're going to let it go because well, we think we've unfairly targeted those people, and we think it's too many of this type of person or that type of person that then gets embroiled in the criminal justice system. And at the end of the day, this is the thinking, what do we care? I mean, what do we care if parts of the city are overrun with prostitution and things of the like? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Frankly, on so many levels, but let's just start off with this. It's hard for me to see how legalizing the sex trade makes a city a more desirable place to live. Does anybody want to live in a block or in a neighborhood that has been overrun with prostitution and then all the other attendant things that, that come with that? I mean, who wants to live like that? Secondly, by essentially saying we're not going to prosecute it, what you are doing is you're green lighting it. And I, I gotta believe that this is just gonna simply lead to more of it. Now I understand prostitution is the world's oldest profession, and I understand there have been prostitutes since, you know, time, you know, since, you know, 2000 plus years. I, I get it. I understand all that. But at the same time, is, is legalizing this or essentially saying we're not going to prosecute it, does it make a community more desirable? And are we doing the quote-unquote sex workers any favors either? It's bad for them. It's bad for the communities. It's bad for the neighborhoods. It's bad for the cities. And yet, New York, you're looking for prostitutes. Hop on that plane, get to LaGuardia, and apparently, if, if you get caught, don't worry, there's not going to be any sort of problems that occur. 855-616-1620, what could possibly go wrong? Let's have a conversation. Well, we'll be back in just a minute. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. At the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, has just announced that they are no longer going to prosecute prostitutes, sex trafficking workers, etc. So... Uh, unlike quote unquote unlicensed massage parlors, you know what I'm talking about. They're they're not going to be prosecuted. And and my point is, has the world gone mad? I mean, seriously, does that the the saying, all right, come on down, 
Um, does that make a community any more desirable? Do you want to live in a community where, oh my gosh, I mean, you've got 15 prostitutes that are plying their trade out outside of, of your the building that you live in? To me, this is just absolutely crazy. And look, I understand there's this argument about how, well, if people want to do this, you know, they should be able to do it. And gee, the, the people who are the, the prostitutes, the sex workers, this is this is unfortunate and isn't this terrible and we're just compounding their problem by prosecuting them for this well how does not prosecuting them make them any more likely to get out of the trade and doesn't by removing any possibility of prosecution doesn't that make it more likely that more people are going to be drawn um to this sort of thing 855-616-1620 that's the acunet mortgage talk and text line um let's see i really think the sex trade should be legalized and regulated it protects the worker and the business by making them meet certain criteria like residency status and getting a health department license and make sex trafficking harder by taking away the black market for prostitution look at europe well okay I think, you know, this is the argument that you get with legalized drugs. We legalize it and then we try to regulate it. We try to tax it. But in many respects, that that hasn't eliminated, for example, the the black market for marijuana sales. But I don't want to go down that route. I just think as a matter of public policy, encouraging the development of prostitution is not not a positive sort of thing. Jeff, um, I believe prostitution should be legalized. Is there a problem in Nevada? Well, actually, prostitution is not legal in Nevada. Prostitution is legal in one county, I believe, or maybe two counties in um, in Nevada, and it, it's confined, and not on the Las Vegas Strip or anything like that, although you can argue maybe authorities look the other way for it. But, this, okay, is, is that the community you want to live? I mean, do you want to live in a community where, hey, we're, we're three blocks away from the horror? house i mean is that really is that really something that's going to be a desirable situation and 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 who is that desirable for i mean is that something that we want to as a society encourage jeff is the city if the city is going to do this allow this illegal behavior then they are responsible you know for what is going to happen well i think that there is an element of that that's out there um, I have another text here. Let me just kind of pull it up where it says that, you know, he was in New York. Um, here, this is from Lou in West Dallas. Jeff, I'm old enough to ca- I was old enough to catch the dying years of old sleazy New York City. It was a pit. There is a reason property values have skyrocketed and porno stores have disappeared and have been replaced by Disney and M&M stores in Manhattan over the last 30 years. How soon we forget. Give it five years and all the laws will be back after people realize how bad it can really get. Well, yeah, I mean, I back in back in the day, you know, in another life when I was working in the U.S. attorney's office, we, we weren't responsible for pro for prosecuting prostitution cases, but I, I worked with with law enforcement officers, local cops who were, and you know they they would talk about the complaints that that you would get from again neighborhoods, from communities. Do you somebody uh, texting me made this point? All right, let's say you live in a community where you are overrun with prostitutions. 
with prostitution. All right, do do you want your ten and eleven year old girl to you know daughter to or son for that matter? Do do you want them to be outside walking up and down those streets? Oh, you know, there's Lacey the prostitute or or whatever. I mean, is that really the neighborhood? Is that what you want to see the neighborhoods become? And if you don't say this is illegal, it is against the law, isn't that what you're um, particularly doing? Um, somebody says, Jeff, Nevada prostitution is illegal in counties above 100,000. In most of the rural counties, it's legal. Well, I guess it's probably a good sign my wife will be encouraged that even though I'm a regular traveler in Las Vegas, I have never checked out the legality of, gee, where can you go to find the legal brothels because... Boy, the yuck factor on that, to me, has to be high. Jeff, have you ever seen the movie Escape from New York? Looks like it is becoming an absolute reality. Um, yeah. I, I mean, that that's it. But but this is the trend. We don't want to come down too hard on, on the—now now it's referred to as, as the sex trap, the sex trade. You know, we, we don't say prostitution because that has a negative connotation. Yeah, we, you know, yeah, it does. We, we say, well, it, it's the sex trade. And we don't want to crack down on these poor people who are just out there trying to, to make a living. You know, what, why, why don't we just kind of get off their backs collectively and let them do their own thing? Well, because maybe there's a societal interest, and maybe I'm hopelessly old-fashioned in this regard, but maybe there's a societal interest in saying, you know, th- there still is right and wrong when it comes to some things, and recognizing that even if we can't completely eliminate prostitution, say, it, it, that's, it's a far cry from saying we're going to do nothing about it when we find it going on. Just, again, we'll see what happens in New York. And this is the trend. You're seeing it in Baltimore. You're seeing it in, in Philadelphia. You're seeing it in many urban areas. We're just going to kind of let it roll. We'll, and we'll see what happens to these neighborhoods. And my guess is, I agree with one of our texters, my guess is you try this attitude after about five years, property values go down, businesses leave and they're replaced by porno bookstores or porno movie theaters or or whatever and once that starts to happen you know maybe people say how did we get here well maybe you can trace it back to the fact that you've got da's that are deciding we're not going to follow the law back with more in just a minute there are heroes among us who run towards danger rather than away from it. We call them first responders. WTMJ is partnering with Waterstone Bank, IndyCar, Rev Group, Grand Prix at Road America, and Heiser Automotive to honor police officers, firefighters, health care providers, and countless others who work every day to protect our families and loved ones. If you know of a first responder who deserves recognition for their duties, go to WTMJ.com and make a submission. It's Waterstone Bank's salute to service only here on WTMJ. Heavy sigh. I'm looking at the uh, dictionary definition of the word alien. And here, here's what it says. The adjective alien, belonging to a foreign country or nation. As a noun, a foreigner, especially one who is not a naturalized citizen of the country where they are living. Quote, an illegal alien, end quote. That is the dictionary definition of the term. So earlier this week, President Biden announced that agencies of the U.S. government were now ordered, 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 ordered to stop referring to migrants as aliens, even though they are aliens. Um, memos issued by Customs and Border Enforcement, as well as Immigrations and Customs, say that agents instead use the word non-citizen or migrant 
All right. Instead of illegal aliens, which is still being used by some government officials in press releases and elsewhere, the employees of Customs and Border Protection and ICE should instead use the term undocumented non-citizen or undocumented individual, according to the memos. All right, so the idea is our words matter, and despite the fact that somebody is termed an illegal alien because they are an alien, meaning they are from a foreign nation and they are here illegally, we can no longer say this because of political correctness. Um, Under the new guidelines, unaccompanied alien children would be referred to as unaccompanied non-citizen children okay um employees are also directed to describe the assimilation of refugees and immigrants as civic integration (sighs) okay maybe we should be less concerned with referring to illegal aliens as illegal aliens maybe we should be less concerned with what we're calling the people that are you know pouring across the country illegally maybe we should be less concerned with what we're calling them and more concerned with how we can get some control of our borders in the first place because until you get control of the borders you're not going to be able to figure out effectively how we can find paths to legal residency for the 11 million the 11 million, well, what is the term we want to use, non-citizens or migrants or undocumented non-citizens or undocumented individuals who are already in this country. Give me strength. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Uh, Brewers coming up in uh, less than an hour. At least our pregame coverage starts there. They're they're out in San Diego, and they've won the last two games. San Diego is a very, very good team. And um, actually, the Brewers going on the road without Christian Yelich, who's on the disabled list, and um, Colton Wong, who's their new second baseman, who's on the disabled list, and Lorenzo Cain, who's on the disabled list, had the potential to be really kind of a, a downer trip because, like I say, San Diego is the real thing. They spent a ton of money, and the Brewers have won the first two games. I actually stayed up late and listened to and or watched the, the games both nights, and the, the Brewers starting pitching, especially with Burns and Woodruff, has been absolutely outstanding. And uh, hopefully they go today for the sweep this, this afternoon, which would really be an accomplishment. And and they come back and play in Wrigley Field starting on Friday. So I'm watching the ball game last night. Now, this is there in San Diego, California. And, of course, San Diego, California is one of the epicenters for, for COVID controls. And one of the things that I was struck by watching the game is that I don't want to say nobody because that would be inaccurate. But almost nobody in the stands were wearing masks. And this is California, where they've had a, a mask rule that's been in place since since the beginning. Now, the, the rules in San Diego County is that you're supposed to wear masks unless you're actively eating or drinking. Well, I'm watching the game, and, and people weren't actively eating and drinking. They just weren't wearing masks. Now, as I have said before, I think the, the mask rule in socially distanced stadiums is crazy. I don't think it serves any sort of purpose. I mean, if my wife and I are going to drive together in a car, not wear a mask, not wear a mask around our house, you know, why why shouldn't we able to be able to sit next to each other when we're not close to other people and, and not wear a mask on top of the fact that we've both been vaccinated? So I, I think 
we really need to move away from a lot of these mask rules for people who've been vaccinated. But nobody was wearing a mask. It just or almost nobody was wearing a mask as I was watching the game. And as I read a, I read an email yesterday or a text yesterday about somebody who was at the Brewers game on Sunday, and we're talking about how it was just a game that was being played between, like, the ushers, and people would come out and say, you got to wear a mask, and people would put them up, and then they'd pull them down. And I, in the Brewers' defense, it's not them. It's the it's Tom Barrett's City of Milwaukee Health Department, the same people who wanted to, to shut down uh, tailgating and then eventually recognized that that was dumb and moved away from it. They're, they're, they pressure the brewers to do this. My point is it's time to move away from these different mask requirements, especially in contexts where they, they don't make sense, like sitting, you know, with whoever you came with, you know, in the stands. But but we're starting to get to that point. But it is interesting, as more and more of us get vaccinated and more and more of us feel that we are, in fact, protected. And I candidly, I feel I'm in that situation. I, I understand that there is the the seven in a million chance that even though I am vaccinated and even though I've had COVID before and have antibodies, there is that seven in a million chance that I, I might get it again. But I, I'm, I'm willing to to live with with that. And I think most people who are vaccinated should be. And if you're not comfortable going out in a world where, you know, there's a seven in one million chance that you might get it again or get it the first time. Well, all right, that that's fine. And maybe you should kind of like stay home. But here's the deal. As more and more people are vaccinated, the, the question becomes, what is the etiquette moving forward? During the last year, we were told. Do not socially interact with other people. And by that, I mean, if you greet people on the streets, you know, don't, don't shake hands. Stop shaking hands. Don't hug people. You know, don't get close to other people. Do that, maybe that, that silly thing with the elbow where you stick out the elbow and somebody else sticks out the elbow. And for a while, we did that. One of the things that I have noticed, and I've, um, I'm not particularly a hugger. It's just, you know, I'm not particularly a hugger, but I have a number of friends and particularly a number of my wife's friends who are huggers. And, and that's, that, that's just, it's their natural sort of thing. And they'll come out and give you a hug. And I, I, and I, I think it's great interaction. What I have found as we start to have more contact with people is that people that were huggers, are going back to being huggers. And maybe there's this pause for a second. It's like, is it okay if I give you a hug? Yes. The same thing is true with people who shake hands. I find more and more people who are now comfortable shaking hands with other people. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, we've gone through this year, but as more and more people do, in fact, get vaccinated, if you're in a situation where particularly it's somebody that you know, maybe it's one thing about, you know, strangers, but it's somebody you know, you know, you're having, I don't know, friends over to the house for dinner, or you're going out to dinner and you meet each other in the parking lot, and you've been vaccinated, you know your friends have been vaccinated, all right, you're, you're, the guy sticks out his hand, or the lady goes to give you a hug, how, how are you going to respond? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For me, I stick out my hand and I have the handshake. For me, if somebody is offering me the hug, I'm taking it. How about you? 855-616-1620. You're still uncomfortable, particularly with people you know and people that you know have been vaccinated. 855-616-1620. We discuss next. 
Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Destroying the Wall Street Journal today. How to navigate navigate changing etiquette as COVID rules shift. And it's for the last year we've been told don't interact with other people. Don't 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 hug people. Don't shake hands. You know if you if you've got a fist bump or maybe do that thing with the elbows, that's fine. Well, now that more and more people are, are getting vaccinated and now that we're starting to get back to normal, the question is, how comfortable are you in in shaking hands and in giving hugs and things of the like? And as I was saying, ha- having now been vaccinated, I, I'm at the point where if if somebody sticks out their hand and offers me their hand, I, I'm shaking hands. And if somebody wants to come up and offer me the hug, and like I say, I'm not particularly a hugger, but I welcome hugs all the time. All right, if if some of our friends um, say that they want to hug, I, I, I'm in for it. I, I feel it's time to get back to some sense of normalcy, and I'm not concerned about that, particularly when you're dealing not with strangers, but you're dealing with friends and you know they've been vaccinated and you know you've been vaccinated. At some point in time, do I realize that there is some obscure possibility that I could be sick and that they could get sick? Yeah, I I understand, but that's it's seven in a million. And I think I'm willing to take that chance. 855-616-1620. How about you? Jeff, um, we saw our best couple friends last weekend for the first time in a year. We all gave each other the biggest bear hug ever. By the way, we've all been vaccinated. It was the best weekend. It was the best evening ever. Jeff, I think it's time we break out of our bubbles and let our faith overcome our fears. I believe the psychological damage we are doing in our quote-unquote touchless society today is more damaging than any in the long run. Jeff, I will hug or kiss any of our friends and have no problems shaking hands. Um, Yes, Jeff, um, anybody I run into is getting a hug or a handshake. It hasn't stopped me from doing it previously unless the person is standoffish. Yep. And then I was talking about, again, the, the lack of mask wearing when I was watching the ball game in, in San Diego, particularly like in the later innings. Jeff, my daughter lives in California. While the mask rules are strict, very few people follow the rules and they are not enforced which then begs the question about, okay, do we still need to have these mask rules in place? Okay, Jeff in Fox Point. Good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I thought about this a great deal. And my default is going to be a fist bump. um, But for family members, it'll be a hug. And if a friend or acquaintance offers a handshake or a hug, I would do it rather and uh, take the risk rather than um, offend him or her. I I once uh, refused a handshake during swine flu, Mm -hmm. and I felt really bad. I felt really bad about it after it. Right. So you, you'd be open. So you'd be open that you if, if we go back I, and Jeff and I know you've attended a couple of WTMJ events over the years. So if you would, we, if we ever get to a point where we can start doing our events again, hopefully that'll happen. And, you know, you're there and I happen to see you and you come up and say, hey, I'm Jeff from Fox Point. Remember me? And I'd say, of course I do. And I stick out my hand. You're going to shake my hand. You're darn right. I'm shaking that hand, Jeff. <laughs> thanks for calling, and I, I, thanks for calling, Jeff. And, and I'm I'm extending my hand. Thanks for the call. No, no problem with that at all. We'll, we'll we'll leave it at that. I don't, I'm not going to the hug stage, but I, I will. You know, we we will shake hands. And you know what? To me, that makes sense because 
your chances of me getting you sick are are so infinitesimal. And I, I, can I guarantee you? Absolutely not. But I can't guarantee you that you're not going to be hit by a meteor, you know, driving home from the event that we're talking about. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, I think... You know, and again, people have to find their different comfort levels. This is this is kind of how I feel as we're navigating our way out of the the whole COVID situation. There are going to get there are there are going to be people who I I acknowledge maybe one out of ten, maybe two out of ten who are going to wear masks for the rest of their life. That that's just going to be their default position because they're comfortable with that. Not just because of COVID, but maybe they think it helps them not get colds or not get the flu or, or whatever. And there's going to be a percentage of people who do that, and and that's to me that that's absolutely fine. That's people's comfort level. I think most of us miss that human interaction, and once we once we are comfortable with the fact that the chances of us getting sick or us getting other people sick is really statistically almost non-existent, I think you're going to see more and more people go back to, especially among acquaintances and friends and certainly relatives, going to go back to the hugging and going to go back to the um, going to go back to the handshaking and things like that. Um, somebody saying, well, you've been reluctant to follow rules since the beginning. No, actually, I did. I've, I've worn the mask. I've questioned, I've questioned whether or not it made sense, but I've, I've worn the mask. Um, let's see. Um, as for me, I'll wait a little while longer. Okay, well, I guess the question becomes, what, what is, what is that point? And if, if, as we have talked about on this program before, if for some people we're going to wait till we get herd immunity, which is, estimated to be between 70 to 80, 80 to 90 percent of the population getting vaccinated even the experts are going to tell you we're not going to get there because there's probably a hardcore 25 percent who are going to make the decision they're not going to get vaccinated so what 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 do we do at some point in time as i've been arguing once you get a certain once you've been vaccinated and the chance of you getting somebody else sick is slim to none doesn't it make sense that you can then start living your life that's the reason you get vaccinated all right, back with more in just a minute. And this is Jeff Wagner. I mean, here's some really positive news on the COVID front. Just looking in Wisconsin. Okay, vaccinations. Um, about almost 80% of the population in Wisconsin, 65 and older. And these are the folks that are most vulnerable statistically to having a bad reaction if they get COVID. Almost, almost 80% have at least one dose over 40% of the population have at least one dose, and about 30% of the population has been fully vaccinated. So, look, I, I think vaccinations are important, but I think we also need to recognize, as, as more and more people make the, in my opinion, responsible decision to get themselves vaccinated, we also have to recognize that the reasons, the justifications for a lot of the, these very, very onerous controls, you can only have 25% capacity in your restaurant, you can only have 25% capacity at American Family Field, we, we need to have all these, these limitations. As more and more people get vaccinated, the justification for them it goes down further and further and at some point in time don't we have to say look if there's a critical population a certain key group and they've decided they're live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now wtmj's jeff wagner so melissa i i i just it was internally my desire to just let out a heavy sigh because i'm you you don't 
you don't look at our text line, but I, I do. And we get hundreds and hundreds of texts during my show, mm-hmm. and that's great. I, particip- I like the participation. But this one was kind of directed at you. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> Okay, um, and, and the text says it's a sent. Well, no, no, but it's not. It's nasty. It, it, not nasty necessarily, but it's the, the text. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but it essentially says, "Why have you been spending so much time on the traffic this afternoon? The roads are perfectly fine." Now, this is from somebody who was like in West Dallas or something like that, and yes. and it's kind of like. Again, it's it's like the heavy sigh <laughs> because, you know, we, we have this broad listening area. And, and I don't know, maybe the roads are, in fact, fine in West Dallas, but they're at least now it looks like it's clearing up a little. But for the last several hours, it's been, well, pick a word. I'll say crummy, but probably yeah, something else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, absolute cluster disaster <laughs> in Washington County. And I can see if you're listening and you're in Milwaukee, you may not see anything that's wrong. But all the maps that we have and all the information that we have through cameras shows a much different story. So you right. know, although you may not be seeing the roads in your area being a problem area, there are. Right. Because our, our listening audience goes all over well, Wisconsin. Well, not only that, but there might be somebody in, I don't know, Wauwatosa or West West Dallas or West Milwaukee or whatever, who are saying, "Hey, yeah, exactly. Yeah, hey, yep. I'm, I'm I'm driving up to Slinger or whatever, and all of a sudden, oh, this is why they're telling us don't do this because the roads been closed. Although it looks like it it's, looks like it's opened up it, a little bit, and now. it looks like the the stuff is melted off. I think the temperature might have gone up, but but it was one of those things about well, the roads are fine where I am. Why are you guys making such a big deal about it? Because the roads aren't fine <laughs> everywhere in our immediate listening area. Yeah, and people listen, you know, obviously beyond Milwaukee, far beyond yeah. Milwaukee. So. Well, and also. It does kind of show how how the weather around here, just a few miles, really does make a difference. And so, yeah, I mean, may, maybe the roads are, are great in West Milwaukee, and you're not seeing this because everything's melting or whatever. But, you know, 20 miles to the north, it, it's it's a nightmare. Yeah, it is. And, and again, like you said, it looks like right now they are taking an alternate route, but it looks like the backups are clearing up going to 41. That one looks like at uh, Highway 60. Um, got it. So anyway, event, if if you're not seeing this where you are and you're wondering why melissa has been coming in a couple extra times every hour for the last couple hours it's because well we're glad that it's nice in your place but just sort of like when you have a a tornado that goes through and hits in a particular area and people will wonder well the tornado didn't hit in my neighborhood why are we talking about that because it hit in some other neighborhood so just be thankful you're not in that neighborhood well absolutely (laughs) see that that's it and it's 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 a small price to pay to listen to a couple extra like traffic cut-ins to tell you again if you're thinking about going in this direction don't all right <laughs> that, that was, thank you, that was, Jeff. Yes. <laughs> no, it was kind of, it was kind of just my, my heavy sigh sort of thing. Okay. Um, we, we were talking about, like, the good COVID numbers and the fact that more and more people are getting their vaccinations. And uh, as I've discussed before, I think, you know, we have to decide when we come out of all this and, and when, when and to me, after everybody has had a reasonable opportunity to to get their shots, it, it's time to start loosening the reins and letting people go back to normal, understanding that there's going to be some people who are going to make the decision not to get vaccinated. And to me, they're, they're just taking the risk. That That's flat out it. I don't think you can say we're going to lock down society for the next year or two years or, or three years. To me, this was always all about flattening the curve. Remember that phrase? And, and once... You get a certain percentage of people who've had the opportunity to get the vaccines. If other people decide they, they don't want it, well, okay, that's they're taking the risk. But but there is an interesting decision here. And I I as I've said before, I, I've had both doses of the vaccine. I got I got the Pfizer vaccine and the Pfizer vaccine was the one that you get um 
three weeks apart. I, I know people who've had reactions to it. I had none. I mean, I, I had the, the first shot. I, I'd say my arm was sore, but, but it was only a little bit sore. It was much the, the shingle shot I got a year ago had, had my arm a lot more sore. I had no no effects at all from the first one. I got the second one a week ago, and again, I, I know some of my teammates here have you know, had temporary bad reactions. My producer, Gru, he got his second, you got your second shot yesterday, correct? Second Monday. Yeah, I got you, Moderna you, number two you yesterday. Got, and, and, no, you got it on, on Monday, right? You were off yesterday. You took yesterday off because, and you weren't, you, you had some chills and stuff. Nothing too bad, but chills. Yeah, just hearing other people having adverse reactions from their second dose, I figured better to just take the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I got it Monday morning and didn't really feel anything until me going to bed Monday night, and I had trouble sleeping. I had uh, fever chills, but that was about it. Uh, they lasted throughout the middle of the day yesterday, but by, I want to say 5 p.m., I was feeling yeah. fine, went to bed yeah. early, woke up this morning 100%. Yeah, um, right. And, and again, I think that's, I, I, most of the people I know, very few have had severe adverse reactions. I mean, it's been like you're talking about, like somewhat similar to flu. In my case, I guess, ap- knock on wood, but absolutely nothing. It was just, I was kind of, because I was sort of waiting for this, and, and I've had absolutely nothing, and now it's been a week since I've had the second vaccine. Don't know why. I think it just reacts differently with people. But But here's the deal. There are three different vaccines that you have the option of getting. One is the Moderna vaccine, which my producer Gru got, four weeks apart. One is the Pfizer vaccine, which I got. You get the second dose three weeks. And then there's the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. And the, the the attractiveness of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine is it's, it's a one-shot and then you're done. The Johnson & Johnson vaccine doesn't have the complete efficacy that the other two do, but it's still, it's got almost a, a, like a 98% chance that you're not going to end up in the hospital or you're, you're not going to die. So, and, and I think like an 85% chance that you're not going to, to get it. But even if you get COVID, it's not going to be severe. So the, the one-shot thing has a, has a huge appeal, and that, that's very, very good. Well, we all know that you no longer have the option, at least at least as of today, to get the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Um, there were reports out there that out of, uh, what are my numbers here, um, out of 7.2 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in the U.S., um, they have found six women who developed serious blood clots. Six women, one of those six women died. Um, so 7.2 million, six Women developed blood clots. One of those people died. As a result of that, what's happened is that they suspended, at least temporarily, the administration of the J&J vaccine. The thinking is that probably today or tomorrow, they will announce starting Friday, you can get the vaccine again. Uh, they'll start administering it, but they're going to issue it with a warning. They'll say, well, you know, it, there, there's a possibility of, of blood clots of uh, six people out of 7.2 million. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I am legitimately curious as to this reaction to this. If if you were planning on getting the J&J vaccine, and I know some people were because they, they like the idea that, hey, I get it and I'm done. All right, will you still get it? 
855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Or has this news, six people, women, with blood clots out of 7.2 million doses, has that caused you to say, I'm either not going to get vaccinated or, alternatively, I, I want the Moderna or I want the Pfizer? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My basic philosophy was I, I was going to, Take. I wanted to get vaccinated as soon as possible. As soon as I became eligible, I was going to take what they gave me. I was happy with the Pfizer. But, you know, I guess I look at six blood clots among women out of 7.2 million doses. And to me, again, statistically, that the chances of you developing blood clots are, are so remote, particularly if you're a male, that it's kind of like, why, why would you not get this? But we'll discuss. 855-616-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, The speculation is that the government is going to allow... The J&J vaccine, that's the one-shot vaccine, it's been on pause. But the speculation is starting Friday, they're going to allow it to continue to be administered. The, the reason it's on pause is because you had six people, these were women, who developed blood clots. One person died. As re- and, and again, they, they don't know the causation. They, they're, right now, right now there's a correlation. They got the shot and they ended up dying. The one person died. But that's six out of 7.2 million shots. My question is, is anybody going to be willing moving forward to get the J&J vaccine even once the government allows it and I'm saying hey the the chances you had six out of 7.2 million 855-616-1620 Stephen in Milwaukee Stephen good afternoon yes good afternoon to you Uh, thank you very much for taking my call yes sir Oh, I, I don't know yeah, if no, your no, no, uh, radio no. guy told you the story, but uh, no, and no, I see. But you got to tell the um, story. You got to tell the story, anyways, because even if you told him that, you know, <laughs> nobody else has heard the story. So go ahead. All right, sir. Thank you. Well, um, it's just a precautionary thing because um, you know a lot of people that have allergies, um, they could react to something new uh, very detrimentally. And a friend of mine, who's a nurse uh, in the healthcare profession, of course, uh, got the shot. Uh, got the Pfizer shot. Okay. And five minutes after getting the shot, uh, she went into anaphylactic shock. Mm -hmm. Uh, They had to give her two EpiPens, which didn't work. So then she went to surgery to have an emergency tracheotomy. And because of her allergies, uh, there was also some sort of um, toxic fluid developing in her uh, gut Mm -hmm. area. uh, Because her stomach was puffing. So she had to get a tube to go in there and release it. And, you know, that's all I want. Um, I got a lot of friends that work in the drug business, uh, one from Pfizer, especially, and one from Johnson and Johnson, as well as Teva. And uh, they just say, hey, you know, a lot of people are going to get the shot, uh, and all age brackets are going to be fine. But then some age brackets, even if you're if you've been healthy a lot of life, a lot of times in your life, then you might get sick because you haven't had so many antibodies yeah. that you've dealt with in life for other things. So it's just so. Stephen, are, are you going to get vaccinated? Just beware. That's are, all. Are you going to get vaccinated, or have you been? Are you uh, get I haven't been yet. I've had a lot of allergies myself, and um, I've just uh, developed a little, just a little wait and see for a little while yet. Because a friend of mine that works okay. for Pfizer said, okay. "Hey, a couple years down the line, you might be seeing, uh, you know, one of those lawyers that are on TV <laughs> saying, hey, uh, have you been having the Pfizer?' Because they're worried about um, yeah. your um, your kidneys and liver problems in the next three to five years because this has been rushed to market." Got it. Well, thanks for calling, Stephen. I guess I. I... 
I understand that there's there's people who have that concern. Look, and I'm I'm not going to try to talk you talk you out of that. All all I can tell you is, I, I firmly believe that we wouldn't have this. We, we wouldn't have this if if the medical authorities believed that it wasn't safe. Now, that doesn't, doesn't mean they can't be wrong at some point in time, and, and maybe there'll be this huge I told you so four or five years down the road. I'm just saying that I felt comfortable with it, and for whatever it's worth, I, I had no adverse reactions. Dan in Waterford, or Don in Waterford, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, great topic. Um, actually, just a quick brief back history. Uh, November, I had coronavirus. Uh, you know, lasted about a week and everything. My wife and daughter did not get it. Uh, last week, I got the Moderna first shot. Uh, scheduled to get the second shot here in, I think, a week or two. Um, here's the honest truth. I think if uh, Johnson Johnson was still on the market, I would have gotten it last week, and I would presume that I'm good to go. Um, you know, I, I got it because just for my own personal choice, because I wouldn't want to see somebody elderly get it. Right or get it passed from me, you know, it's, I, I survived it. I was fine. It was a, you know, a bad headache all week, but quite frankly, with if six, seven women got, you know, blood clots and things out of 7 million people. Yeah. I would have already been vaccinated if Johnson Johnson was available last week. Really? Yeah. Well, that's th- Don, again, thanks for calling. See, that's sometimes we see the headlines and, and candidly, I, I think, I think the FDA and I think the government made a mistake by by pulling it off by 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 putting by ordering a pause. I, I think the because now you're, you're going to scare a lot of people and they're they're going to hear blood clots and they're not going to hear six out of seven point two million. And to me, I, I'm kind of a do the math guy when it when it comes to that. So I, I think one of the things that's going to happen moving forward is even once they they start readministering the J and J stuff, I think there's going to be a lot of people who originally. We're going to to go for that because they 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 had they found the appeal of just having that one shot to be to be good. And again, for me, it was first place I could get in. They could give me the shots, whatever they were taking. I if it was J and J, that was fine. If it was Moderna, it was fine. Where I ended up going, it, it was Pfizer, and and so that that's fine as well. I do think that there's going to be people who are now going to shy away from the J and J, and I don't have a big deal with that. I, I do think though that. It, it, you, you should look at the numbers and, again, sort of make that assessment and figure out, okay, 6 out of 72, mil, 6 out of 7.2 million, and that, that's that's a handful of women. They still don't even know what the cause, that there's a causal link to all this stuff. And I guess my concern is I don't want people to feel if you were otherwise inclined to get the vaccine. And I'm not going to be able to talk you into it. I know if you decided that you're not going to get it. But if you were already leaning towards getting the vaccine, okay, even if you're not comfortable getting the J&J, get one of the other vaccines. I guess that would be kind of the message. Back with more in just a minute. And this would be that bumper music. Okay, I am out of time. An early Brewers game coming up. I'm back for a full show tomorrow at 12 o'clock. Milwaukee Brewers baseball coming up in just a couple minutes. But first, it's 2.30. Let's go to the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Here's Melissa Barton.